Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right. lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello there and welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast after a weekend of GA ex-players turned pundits letting loose. Murph and Ken. Hello there, Auntie. Hi, Murph Hello and Ken. I'm talking both barrels here in the case of Waterford's John Milan, one of our favourite personalities in the GA world. Of course. We designed a tea towel after the man. We did. Uh, so that's how much we uh, rate Still John a Milan. limited number of those around the office. <laughs> he was interested. He was on duty with RT Radio for the league final yesterday. Thrilling league final between Clare and Waterford and was more than a little upset about the ref's decision to hand a saw free to Clare near the end having denied Waterford one seconds before. His Irish Independent column this morning takes up the theme and starts with the following sentence. Before I discuss Dermot Kieran's performance congratulations to Clare fair play to them it's the <laughs> ultimate smash and grab I love, raid. I love articles that start like that. And I also love how little time is devoted to this bit before he gets into it. They kept going to the end kept plugging away got their award first league title since 1978 Boom, now that's out of the but way. But how was Dear McKeown last <laughs> feeling last night as he drove home? Asks uh, asks Milan. Did he have any regrets at all last night? Will he be called upon to answer questions about his performance by the National Referees Committee? As far as I'm concerned, his display was absolutely dreadful and he should think about hanging up his boots. <laughs> I don't think it was... I mean, you know, he made a few mistakes. I don't know if a career should be necessarily uh, at mm, stake. Ended on, end, and it was a funny one, though, because you see, sometimes, you know when a uh, county is in outrage, mm. or a country in the case of, say, Scotland, during the Rugby World Cup after the decision that denied them a victory over Australia, yeah. and you can just everyone can just get stuck in and everyone's rolling behind each other and it's all... Rah. But in this case, now I'm sure people in Waterford and listening on Waterford Local Radio, there's been plenty of fulminating, but the, certainly the management team and players were very mm. blasé about it. Um, very diplomatic at, at least Remember uh, and Ga- saying there's no big deal and Milan's out there <laughs> calling for heads to roll who's with me he turns around <laughs> and the expected uh, mob has yeah. not quite assembled uh, mm. directly behind him but yeah remember Gavin Hastings after that game we were listening to it on BBC Radio <laughs> 5 Live we were driving from the Millennium Stadium to the airport through a lot of traffic to get uh, to get home after Ireland's crushing World Cup's quarterfinal defeat to Argentina and Gavin Hastings Matt, the whoever else was on commentary, Matt Dawson, I think, just kept pushing him, 
Pushing him and pushing him, and by the end of it, Hastings was like, "This man needs to be run out on a rail." Oh, and once they didn't say, didn't Hastings say, "If I ever meet this guy, <laughs> he's going to get a stern talking to." It was something uh, along those lines. Hastings yeah. couldn't quite go full. Yeah, Milan uh, didn't aggression. have anyone. No, didn't have anyone needling him in that direction. But he didn't need. He all he had was the courage of his own convictions. Oh, as for Tommaso Shea, I'm sure this comment won't have escaped. Ken Early's attention here Proud dub that he is mm. Tommaso Shea was part of Radio 1's Football Championship preview When he blurted this out They can win dirty They can win when they're playing poorly uh, They have a mixture of great players They have a mixture of, of I don't know for the want of a, a better word A scumbag When they need to have somebody on the team To do the nasty things Whoa, 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 whoa is the, does, does that word have a different meaning? In, different, in Dublin, Murph, that's a I mean, that's not something you want to be called mm. Mm. To say that about about a well, I don't know who about a man like well, we don't about name a, about men. thirty men, <laughs> about one like of thirty that. men apparently. Yeah, yeah. you all right with that? Can he did later tweet to clarify? What did he tweet? He tweeted, "Don't think the dubs are scumbags at all. Poor choice of words. Meant they have had a, they have a few scamps. All great teams have them. <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't care less. You're not well, too head up by this non, no, non- story. Uh, no, not at all. I okay. I'm not offended by that in the slightest bit. Um, I know what Tommaso Shea was trying to say. Yeah, and he clarified it later on. And we move on, Ken. No, I mean, I don't. I don't think he had to clarify it. I mean, what he did it was what, fine. He felt he had Scamps, to come on, get off the stage, Tomas. <laughs> you would have heard he stuck with the scumbag line. Well, I thought the original phrasing came closer to his actual meaning than the word scamp. Mm. This sad bowderization of what you know. I, I, I just don't even see the problem with the. With the sentiment. Well, if you're a Dublin footballer, you don't really want to be called a scumbag. I mean, I think that's the, the point of it. But uh, do you really care? <laughs> is, it, is it something that's really going to, you know, keep you awake? Are there people really, you know, steaming with anger, pacing around that Dublin dressing room going, can you believe what Thomas O'Shea, Thomas O'Shea has Some, said Knowing the way GA dressing rooms work, I Some, would imagine yeah. that's not beyond the realms of possibility. Some com- context here, uh, Ken. Dublin are really good at football, you know, like really good. They might need a little nudge here and there to, you know, stoke the fires of emotion between now and their next serious game, which will be in August. You know, maybe this is just what they needed. Uh, and I think uh, maybe maybe it, uh, they maybe they might not be that upset, but maybe if this gets uh, mentioned no, enough times over the course of the next three months. Well, I was listening back to the chat in full, right? And I, I agree with you, Ken. I don't think I, I, I don't think it's something we should be raking to Marseille. Uh, I mean, if you said you know for. people in Dublin are junkies or something like that, then I might have been might have been like, hey, back up a little bit there. You know what I mean? That's not that's that's an unfair generalization. But you know, to, to use that word in that context, it doesn't really bother me too. Much. I was listening back to the whole piece, and he said something far more controversial. Go on. He said he wouldn't agree with the notion yet that this Dublin team is one of the greatest teams ever. No, that, that bit's fine, right? Okay. But he does think it's the best Dublin team of all time. You've, you've got a problem with that, Yeah, well, that means... Right, if that... Okay, think about it. That's, the logic here is if this is the best Dublin team ever, yeah. but not one of the greatest teams ever in national terms, it implies... In fact, it, it states, really... It boldly states. That Dublin has never had a team that Tommaso Shea would rate as one of the best ever. Has he lost his copy of the Kerry Golden Years DVD or something? I mean, this, see, Tomas, I, I, I'm, I'm going to wager he has not. That team in blue there that keeps popping up... Yeah, they're the 1970s dubs, mate. I mean, six All Ireland finals in a row, three of them victories, part of one of the all-time great rivalries. I'll tell you, Murph, Jimmy Keaveney, Anton O'Toole, all the greats will not—they're uh, not going to like that. Anton O'Toole, can you please 
Can we just go one day around here without you mentioning Anton O'Toole, please? I, I only mentioned him in the office the other day. But yeah, was, well, I know. There, there that's was, what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I, that's what I was talking about. On. <sighs> well, go on. What? Do you, do you want to read out the poem you wrote about Anton O'Toole? Mm-mm, not particularly. Well, I'd like to hear it. So, And I think, actually, our listeners... Here's the deal. Yeah. Owen McDevitt wrote a poem in about nine minutes about Anton O'Toole in the office on Friday. You, now, it, you have the poem... It's right in front of me. There was context to this. I mean, it's a bit weird that I'm just going around writing poems about 1970s dubs. You were attending an event. I was attending an event uh, organised by Kevin McManaman, mm-hmm. Dublin Golador par excellence. Yeah, indeed. Uh, in, uh, As he describes himself, I'm sure. <laughs> Dublin Golador, Kevin McManaman here. Uh, <laughs> Anyone want to come to this gig on Friday night? So he'd arranged uh, a gig last Friday night uh, in aid of Aware. Uh, brilliant event so music song poetry the whole lot and you, I know that you wanted to come well but I couldn't make it yeah I couldn't make it but I knew you were going and I was just a bit concerned that if the poetry readings or anything turned to the subject of Dublin 1970s footballers you could be at a loose end yeah you, you, know, you just everyone else is out there everyone's got their poem prepared and you're like oh I didn't realise I had to write one up so I cobbled something together for you have do you, you actually want me to read this have yeah. you have you made any improvements to the poem any, have you redrafted it since I no. heard it at some stage Ken you have to just say it's finished you know it's a work of art and maybe maybe on reflection when Owen reads this out to the nation he might think God I I, I could have done better you look at this you look at this, uh, the um, what what you call the uh, cathedral in Barcelona Sagrada Familia, Familia. Yeah, yeah I mean they, they never finish nothing yeah. you gotta sometimes you just gotta aren't end they, it aren't they finishing it slowly slowly I mean, they've been saying that for 80 years. <laughs> you're you're more of the Jack Kerouac than the, yeah. say, WB8. This is, a, this is <coughs> Vomited <clears throat> out onto the page. <clears throat> now, what makes you think that that's going to be art? Anton O'Toole, Dublin's Fair Jewel, by me, Homer Dem. <laughs> All right. Simon, but you, this is your call. Do you want me to read no, this poem or No, read the right. damn poem, will you? Anton O'Toole was nobody's fool. Playing it cool, his most powerful tool. This fair Dublin jewel at 16 did leave school. I'm not sure if that's true. He never played jewel. Loved scoring. He never what? He never played jewel, as in... Jewel hurling. This fair Dublin jewel at 16 did leave, leave school. He never played jewel. Loved scoring a cool. Uh. He could take Hefo's rule with the strength of McCool. He could kick like a mule. Ne- never quit on his stool. Just one more verse to get through here, Ken. Mm-hmm. The right foot was cruel. The left made you drool. From January to Yule, he was Anton O'Toole. <laughs> I think yeah. I think that's come amazing. On. Huh? That's a, come on, that's, that's top class. Yeah, very good, though. That was uh... Ken. I don't think you believe that. I think you believe the opposite. In fact, I shouldn't I have think... read. I shouldn't have read it to Ken in the office. He might have been more impressed if he yeah. just heard it first time on 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 air. Um... I can do more readings if anyone... McCool. If there's any McCool. He, you managed to get in a mention of Finn McCool there. That's pretty good. Tweet at Setting Captains if you want to hear more Dublin stars from the 70s get the... But only, <laughs> if, they, only if their surname rhymes with, you know, I don't think Jim, Jimmy Keaveney's not going to be an easy one. That's just, no. Did you just use the word tool twice, though? No. O'Toole and tool. O'Toole is his surname. So there was just a powerful one, tool. There was just one mention of a tool? Yeah, I yep. think so, yeah. There was. I started with Anton O'Toole and finished with Anton O'Toole. But that's okay. the man's Perfect, name. Perfectly legitimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, well, I thought it was very good. On I didn't, get, I didn't get a chance to read it at the event on Friday night. I'm sure you read it privately to Kevin McMenamin, though, and said, Owen, put this poem. <sighs> All right, come on. That's, that's, that's nice. That's nice, Owen. Mm. Um, I wonder now, uh, can you do 
a poem in the same style about Kevin Heffernan? Heffel. Oh, uh, well, Defel. Heffernan. Well, <laughs> I just want one no, with well, exactly the same about? rhyme scheme, the same length, but just each syllable at the end. It'll take me longer than nine minutes. has to yeah. rhyme with Heffernan. All right, we're going to be talking about Connacht reaching home semi-final against Glasgow, <clears throat> excuse me, who they beat on Saturday. Uh, right now, a really incredible drama in the league final at Semple Stadium, Clare FM. As always, did a great job of capturing the emotion. Here is Derek Lynch calling the shots at the end. We're going to have to see exactly where this is going to go. Kelly again. Kelly swings it. Kelly swings it over the bar. Tony Kelly once more with a fabulous goal. What a leader this man has been. We lead by a single point. Jamie Fitzgerald is calling for time. It's all over. It's all over at Semple Stadium. And Clare have come from Three weeks from the start of the championship, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Just remember that. Were you as excited as Derek Lynch? Uh, I was, actually. Uh, well, as excited? Nah, that might, that might be stretching it. Um, uh, it was a bloody good game, though, Owen. Uh, it, was, it was really good. It was, uh, particularly when put up against the game last week, uh, I think. I think every, and, you know, expectations had been moved downward quite steeply after last Sunday. Um, but... You watch the last 15 minutes or 20 minutes of that game and there's no difference between that and, like, championship hurling, which is pretty much all you can ask, really, I think, from a mm-hmm. from a league final. Um, and the finish was brilliant. And just enough to keep everyone... I think, it, like, a lot of Waterford people... I was actually down in Waterford last week, talking to some relatives of mine, and they were convinced that whoever lost the league final would win the, the Munster <laughs> championship game. Uh, and, I mean, I, I don't know if that was kind of like a reflexive... You know, sort of uh, uh, protecting their own emotions. Yeah, well, at least maybe. we'll get something one way or the other. Yeah, is what they're thinking. Um, but I mean, I, I, given the fact that over a hundred and sixty minutes of hurling, it needed a last-minute point to separate the two teams. I think that's maybe not a bad way. You know, it's an optimistic way to look at things, but not a bad way either. Owen Kelly and Maliki Clerken are good to go. Maliki, all is okay with the hurling world now. Yeah, I mean, of course, it was always okay. Um, it was dead last week. It's alive now. <laughs> we were fools ever dead. No, I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, f- I kind of feel like we're go- we we sort of go in cycles of doing this. Of uh, and we, and we uh, we will of course do it with the football yeah. in, in, well, in the next yeah. few weeks. It's much more know. of a national pastime with the football <laughs> than with the hurling. But this this will do until the football starts. But uh, I, I kind of wrote in the paper today: hurling always bends towards the light eventually. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, you can't really keep it down for yeah, long. Yeah, in fairness, yourself and Owen last week, I think, struck the right tone, um, accepting that that like, that first game took a long time to get going. But mm. th- these are two teams who are within their rights to to try these. Um, yeah. to, to try to did they actually change their strategy this time oh, around, or did good players just find a way? Through yeah, it? funny. I didn't think they changed an awful lot. I mean, they they both played with, with sweepers, tagged worker, just mopped up everything, absolutely everything in front of the the Watford goal. Um, Podge Collins played as the, the spare man for Clare for an awful lot of the time, especially in the first half, um, which worked really well. Like, like for the, I think of their first four scores, he either scored or, or had a hand in three of them. And like he was, he was going back under the puck out and kind of mopping up there and, and then sprinting up the field. Like he, he couldn't keep it going for the whole time. But I think they kind of set up quite similar as they did last week. I think there, there was a couple of differences. One, and this we talked about this last week, um, wides drain the energy out of a game and make it feel worse than it is and 
the point the, the shots went over yesterday um, there was actually I was talking to Noel Connors during the week and he said that something that wasn't really talked about all week was that it was a really odd wind last week in, in Semple whereas la- yesterday it was blowing straight mm. straight from the uh, straight up the pitch from the town end and you could see that like there was I, I kind of lost count but it, I, it definitely got up to maybe six or seven scores that just were puck out catch over the bar uh, from uh, from an area around the sort of between your defence and your midfield, like Dara Fives got one. Um, Patrick, David, Fitzgerald David Fitzgerald hit Fitzgerald one from the same one. position that Dara Fives exactly, hit one from. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like there was the wind was 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 a factor there, you know, um, because it was one of those winds that was blowing straight down the pitch, and if you caught it right, mm-hmm. um, and so that kind of made it feel like a better game. I, look, it obviously was a better game, but but I, I think those were some of the differences. Oh, and obviously, I mean, we, we talked, well, we, we didn't really talk that much last week about Tony Kelly. I think actually off air we might have talked a little bit about him. So we'll talk about him on air now because he, he fairly dug it out for Claire yesterday. I did. He's a serious talent there, so he is. And look, I just, he's a player you just love watching. He glides around and left or right, like, I mean, be it 90 yards or be it 20 yards, he can just dissect the post. Like, but, you know, like, last week he got the 90 minutes under his belt. Um, so he was going to be always better for them. As the game went on there yesterday, he really came into his own. Like, but, you know, like, Young hurler of the year and player of the year in 2013. There's no player I don't think has ever done that. Like so, he has, you know, his accolades on the sideboard. We'll say that uh, a lot of players, you know, wouldn't have have got in the in the same year. But it's just his team. What he means to that player team, he's so important to him. We'll say, and even you could see that by Davy giving him the responsibility of the last three, which I don't even think he rose properly. If you look back at it, he kind of had to take his time, and uh, you know, to strike that over from 80, 90 yards. Uh, was was unbelievable, but it's just the ease at which he can get these scores. Like, um, you know, like he's one of their runners. He runs deep and then he gets into into an attacking position. I think that's something that Clare probably are better at than Waterford. You know, Brick Walsh really not a natural forward, so you Waterford pull one out then. So they kind of play with four forwards. Clare have five, but they have three or four runners coming deep. Whereas if you look at Waterford, kind of one or two guys guys make a run and then. They don't have as many options, but his goal was was due to him running. And I'd say if you had a drone looking down the pitch, there was probably one or two more options of guys running, those t- making those hard runs. So, you know, but Tony Kelly is just a class apart. He's one of the best hurlers in the country, and I, I just love watching him. So I do. Yeah, and uh, the fact that he got the two points in the manner that he did meant that Clare nicked a win, you know, a one point win, which is something that they've been on the wrong side of over the last couple of years since 2013 I think that's an important thing for Clare as well in the run up to the championship that they that they won a, a, a tight one and maybe nicked a game that they didn't maybe 100% deserve to win Definitely and I suppose they're further down the road than Watford with nicking those games at the desk we'd say because most of these guys have all Ireland medals in their pockets have the 321 All-Irelands in their pockets so they're probably just that couple of years older and more experienced uh, than Watford now Look, call a spade a spade. The referee's decision at the end of the game swung it for clear um, because it definitely was a free in for Jamie Barron and then it ended up being a dive as well by Tony Kelly. So he has, he has all the tricks in the book uh, at such a young age. But you know, they got their point, got their draw and then he was at the other side of the field. So it was small margins, but a bit of experience and probably the cool and canvas and maybe that's Don Logue's um, introduction as well into, into the clear setup. But they fought to the 72nd or third minute to get that win so a win like that for any team is as good as three or four months training because you know what I mean they keep referencing back to that now maybe in, in times when they are down and they were down six points three times in that game so 
you know, it's a massive injection going into the championship for Clare with Dave McInerney and uh, John Collins come back into the squad. I know Sheen O'Brien then was, uh, he cried off in the, in the warm-up yesterday, so no, Dave would be a very, very happy man this morning. We heard the Clare FM commentary earlier on, and they were going <laughs> completely apeshit for it, which <laughs> yeah. is, you know, and obviously having won a league in so long. They did win in All-Ireland a couple of years ago, but it shows how important it is to to the team, I guess, that the that this is uh, maybe that is the circumstances would you agree that it, it is different from say it had just been one game and they might have won by four points without either team playing well this was actually a proper battle exactly it was like that um, like there was only 14,000 in Thurles yesterday but the noise at the end was phenomenal You and that just comes from a game reaching its fever pitch um, in the you know in the mixer all the way to the end um, I think it was I I thought thought about it last night that it, that it was a game that was the outcome was almost perfect for both sides because I, both managers really said afterwards you know um, okay Claire won but that that's that's really just what the scoreboard says like there wasn't there is really nothing between these sides you know two two almost draws tells you that anyway but watching it you can see that there's very very little between them and that. Coming out, uh, nicking it as Claire did, kind of suits Claire for 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 where Claire are at, but also in a way, kind of losing a game that you are the sort of moral victors of, having been sort of more or less robbed by the referee, or convincing yourself that you were robbed by the referee right at the death, probably do hard for no harm either. You know they have they've won their league last year. You know obviously great to do it back to back, but they go into the championship knowing that they have. The absolute beating of Clare on the day. Yeah, well, John Milan definitely felt that they were <laughs> robbed. If people were listening on the radio, we were talking about this earlier on. I'm so infuriated. I hope Dermot Kieran doesn't referee a game for the rest of the year. It's been the difference between us climbing the steps and Clare going up the steps. I'm absolutely boiling with the decision. It's disgraceful. Follow that up in his Indo column by saying, I have the quotes here, one second. Uh, yeah, but essentially, well, rather than just hanging it up for the summer he reckons Dear McKeown's display was absolutely dreadful he should think about hanging up his boots which sounds like uh, he should do so entirely Milan just the heat I, of the moment I, I, although in fact he says in the endocardium this is not heat of the moment <laughs> I well I, I know how those columns are written if it wasn't the heat of the moment it was the heat of like an hour at most look it was a bad decision no there's no question sorry for people who didn't see this this was J- Waterford not and um, um, Probably deserving a free towards the end. Not get, when they were a point up, not getting it. Claire getting one for at best about maybe, two seconds later. Yeah, yeah. at best, you know, and look, it would have, it, it, and then it, they equalise. You know, it's it's odd when we come to talk about referees. It's very very rare that you can actually pinpoint uh, a decision or a batch of decisions that actually do have a, a, a serious consequence. This one did. If Jamie Byron had got his free, it was more or less on the Claire forty five. Um, they would have scored. They would have gone two points up. Clare would have needed a goal in the next attack, uh, and they would have had about forty seconds to get it. It just it would it decided the game essentially. Now Tony Kelly still had to, you know, do two kind of superhero sort of jobs. To the, like the free was very long, and the point from the right was was incredible on the run. But um, yeah, on, on the ref was he particularly bad he, outside that? Like, Milan's specific point is that he fault that he made bad decisions on both sides all I game, and he, then and then folded under pressure from the Clare bench to give the free at the end. I I would that that is a, I think that's a reasonably fair criticism. I thought that during the game he was he was a fussy referee, and that's you know that's okay if you're going to be a fussy referee 
right to the very end. But the foul on Jamie Barron was way worse than some of the things he had been pulling all day. That's the thing. And he like, was beneficious for the for the entire game. Yeah, and, and look, I have no particular problem with that if you're going to do that all the way. But at the at as the game is coming to a head, uh, you, boy, you you got to really stick to stick to the level that you've set for the game. Uh, and he didn't. And I, I think it's fair enough. I, like, obviously, that he has to retire is ridiculous. Like, but um, <laughs> Just being, criticising him for his performance is fair enough. I think so. Look, he, he got a call wrong. Obviously, look, Derek McGrath said afterwards that he, he wasn't even angry. Everybody makes mistakes. No referee goes out to make mistakes. You know. It, it, does Derek McGrath, not, has he not got the memo? This is an outrage. <laughs> I mean, he's making everyone else look bad yeah. by actually accepting a defeat. I mean, he he, he should apologise to his but fellow funny, county what, managers, quite I frankly. That's why I was saying, I, I kind of think that Warford... Um, this isn't the worst thing to have yeah. ever happened to Waterford. Certainly, because, I was reading those quotes. I was yeah. thinking, yeah, this doesn't appear to be uh, the worst thing that's ever happened to Waterford. Owen, what do you think? Maybe not. A, no, not bad. Not. No, I think look, Derek McGrath really showed he's he's class. You know what I mean? As as a guy like by you know downplaying that afterwards because you know he just wants the focus now to turn totally to the to the championship game. And look, I'm sure he's motivated with that little decision as well. I listened to John Milan on the radio actually he says if there's one guy that can really motivate this team going forward it's Derek McGrath like I'd say he's that kind of a guy like do you know what I mean but um, you know look it was a bad decision and referees are in a it's a hard win situation for them because whenever they have a good game we never hear anyone mention the referee and when they make one or two mistakes they get they get slated, but it was it was a poor decision and probably did cost water the game. But look, looking at Clare's win yesterday, I think they'll be very happy. Davy has probably bought himself another year or two um, as as the Clare manager because you know if you weren't delivering silverware, the Clare people would be getting down on him, and you have the under twenty one management team looking over the shoulder. Anthony, Anthony Daly is out with job, I suppose. Well, he's with Limerick Miners. He would be looking over the shoulder, and they any guys would love that job. So Davy now has pressure off as well. Wants to deliver silverware, and the players now have a National League title under the belt. So, you know, at such a young age, most of them are maybe 23, 24, and that, that their confidence and belief is going to be sky high going into the Championship. So, look, look, if we can see um, the majority of the games, like we've seen the passion and the hurling that you had yesterday, I think I'll be very happy come the, come, come the Championship. Your, uh, your old boss, Nicky English, reckons it actually doesn't really matter who wins the, the Munster semi-final, that either way... Uh, you're looking at two teams who are going to be very much involved into August and maybe even into September. I, I do get the impression that they, both both of these teams would like to win the Munster final, if only because it means you avoid Kilkenny until an Ireland final and then you're hoping that, that either the loser of Waterford Clare or maybe Tipperary beat Kilkenny in an Ireland semi-final before you, know, before you get a chance to beat them. I mean, I, I, I still think that both of these teams really want to win a Munster final and have four games to win Lord Ireland and just leave it at that. I, I, I would say. Oh, you're definitely right there, especially the Waterford and the Clare. To be honest with you, all the Munster teams want to win the Munster Championship. Um, I've never been in a very dressing room that has been happy that you've lost the Munster Championship game. Whatever it is, it's just the history that surrounds it. The Monster Championship, Torless Monster Final Day, 50 to 55,000 cramped into Semple Stadium. Like, you know, it's it's one of the spectacles of, of the sport on the sporting calendar that day. Like, so, you know, and especially Clare since the last Monster Championship won in 98. Um, Waterford are, are the exact same day, 2010. So, you know, I mean, the only way a team gets into the habit of winning is by winning, like, you know. And you don't know, right? Whichever team loses that game the next day, um, 
you end up in the qualifiers and we learned the hard way in 2013 drawing the likes of Kenny down in Nolan Park you know drawing the likes of maybe a Dublin in Parnell Park or something like that would not be an easy task so the direct route is the, is the best route but on the flip side of that um, you know if you could get one or two nice games in the qualifiers and get back into a quarterfinal you have games under your belt your momentum is going well then it, it can stand to you but it, it's it's easier said than done now to be honest with you you know what I mean but it's um no, that match the next day, if there was skin and hair flying yesterday, that's going to be a, a do-or-die game the next day, so it's going to be something to really look forward to. And I just hope that we don't get the first league finals um, game. I hope we get a re- replication of what we had yesterday. Open open game there, we'll say, 219 to 123. That's what Hurling that's followers want to see. Which game are we going to get in the championship? Uh, sure, who knows? Like, <laughs> you know, we can, we can sit here and, 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 and try and prognosticate all we like. You know, there, there, if there was any level of shadow boxing yesterday, the only bit of it that I thought that Davy might have been holding back was a, uh, they'd spent an awful lot of time, especially in the first half, launching long ball into the full forward line where Shane O'Donnell and Derek Honan were surrounded by four players. And they kept doing it. And I was kind of looking at that going, if this is a monster championship, Davy changes something here or he doesn't start with this idea that, that and they will change something there so I do look they're serious thinkers both of them they will change bits and pieces they will have something uh, for for that game but I thought look, we'd have seen more of Morris Shanahan yesterday a little bit instance. yeah you know, I, I thought that was the only bit of shadow boxing that I thought was going on I thought we would have seen Morris and maybe even Porco Mahoney as well but other than that I mean I don't I don't think they they, they kept an awful lot in the locker and I, I don't think that there was a whole lot being pulled. There were, there were no punches being pulled either. And I th- well, certainly I, not near the end because, like, once as we were saying last week, once you get into the to the fire of it, look, you know, it, it sort of goes out. You know, it's hard to pull your punches. Game, well, it's game, yeah. sort of all systems gone kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. You know, you kind of you kind of get stuck in and, and, and go for it. All right, know? brilliant stuff. Oh, Kelly Madigan, thanks a mil. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Bye. So that's the question. That's going to be answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight. Tonight. Into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight. Their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just. The bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. No, I think Cork have made a massive boo boo with our matchups. Massive boo boo. Tonight. 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 You mentioned earlier, Murph, you were in Waterford with some relatives there. Your dad being a proud Waterford man. Mm. He didn't go to Thurles yesterday. I was surprised. Uh, but he... Uh, watched it at home? He, no, he didn't, actually. He went to Ballymoe on the Galway Roscommon border to celebrate uh, the 1916... The centenary of the 1916 Rising. Eamon Cant is a uh Born in Ballymoe. So dad went there. Felt he, felt he should go there. But also... Wasn't going to miss the hurling, so uh, went into the local hostelry there in uh, in Ballymoe, and um, it was rather bad luck, really, because he went in and within ten minutes of the game starting, a stag party arrived <laughs> in a pub in Ballymoe at quarter to four on a Sunday afternoon. A, re- a regular stag spot, kind of like Galway City. I'm going to say Ballymoe wouldn't be on many people's, you know, wouldn't be in many people's top ten stag possible stag locations in Ireland. In fact, I would say top one hundred. Uh, it's it's hard to describe where you'd be going, you know, to go through Ballymore, but it just it upset. 
father. Even a quiet stag is louder than a normal group, though. So, yeah, and yeah, to be honest, it's really not what Dad expected. Mm-hmm. What he expected was to be one of four people sitting in the pub watching the hurling. And maybe he might fall into a polite conversation with one, two, or all four of them. But to have a stag party thrown in the middle of that, I mean, I just felt I felt it was rotten luck. And you know, the result did not improve his mood any. The first full weekend of the football championship is coming up this weekend and great news if you enjoyed the Jim McGuinness column the Jim McGuinness column last summer I should say McGuinness is back with the Irish Times got a piece in tomorrow's paper Kieran Murphy Ken of second captains here will also be part of the Irish Times writing team for the championship oh very good that guy right there yeah well, any particular day uh, not uh, entirely confirmed it looks like Thursday looks like Thursday high powered negotiations are ongoing yeah Murph demands whatever the prime time day is. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet. I don't the know what I, I figure that out. Exactly. I will then demand. That's same. Saturday, so just so you know. All oh, right. Saturday. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> and there's a, a big supplement coming out on Thursday of this week to preview the whole thing. So, uh, so numerous get, of my hot takes also in that old. The so. Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast is out now. Ken, what's in the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast, which is out now? That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What yeah. did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to now. I'm down Twanfield and we'll see them all. What are you doing down here, you shiny man? <laughs> well, uh, there are not too many live issues remaining in the Premier League. It's over um, on the weekend, next weekend. So we're just uh, tying up. Sort of crossing. <laughs> the football show was really, really good, good today. Yeah, it's good. Crossing How could you possibly make it sound as dull as you're making it now? Dotting some eyes. <laughs> I sometimes yeah. wonder about these office about, work yeah, with Ken Early. Yeah, about pre-promoting the football podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we talked about also the the etiquette of of baptizing your manager if you win a trophy. Are we talking about Ranieri, Bocelli, that kind of stuff. Uh, Ranieri, Bocelli, Guardiola. Vincent Company. Oh yeah, should Pel- you pour champagne over the head of a manager? That was Pellegrini being boycotted by his own fans. Yeah, uh, so there's quite a few things to, to talk about. The Leicester City Connacht comparisons have been gathering pace throughout the season, with Connacht remaining on top or near the top of the league the whole way through. And Saturday's win at home to Glasgow gives them a great shout of putting off their own miracle because it means Simon that they get to play their semi final at home against the same opposition. Yeah, great. Um, and their home record is unbelievable. I think they've only lost once there this season against Ulster, and that was in the 78 minute. Um, yeah, we talked a lot about odds, and teams come from long odds all of last week with US Smurf, and obviously about Leicester and whatnot. But Jerry Thorny was writing that they were 500 to 1 at the start of the season. Right. Um, in what's effectively a 10 team league, if you discount the two Italians, and really maybe an 8 team league, forget Edinburgh, forget the Newport Gwent Dragons. So. Um, you always look back at these long odds and wonder, why didn't I have a look at that? Should I have had a nibble? But with that home semi, they're as likely as anybody to win it now. Is it as inexplicable what they're doing as... Well, I mean, Leicester's is totally... I mean, there's no, no matter how many explanations you hear, none of them... Even all of the small explanations added together, the team spirit, the clever scouting, the Ranieri's hands-off approach, all of them add up to a team that... Uh, might come eighth yeah in respect in respect maybe could come eighth yeah as opposed to a team winning it is there anything about has the Connacht rise of Connacht been explained in any logical it, way it's been happening for more years as in there were signs last season um, the fact that Pat Lamb you know his philosophy was coming through from a, a longer way back 
but rugby games I think ultimately underdogs are less likely to win games in rugby especially over the course of a season just the the nature of the game you know whereas you can have a dogged defence that gets a lot of 1-0 wins as Leicester did there for a while so I think to do it in rugby over a season is more impressive but ultimately you know the Pro 12 just doesn't compare (laughs) there's no point even comparing them to the Premier League Alright Tom English covered the game for BBC Scotland Tom Glasgow been hammering teams for the last few weeks they've had quite a few easy games you think this trip to Galway came as a bit of a shock to the system maybe? I, th- I think there were certain elements of, of surprise. Um, I, I, I wonder if if, um, if Glasgow are ready for the physicality that Connacht brought to the table. Um, you know, we've the, the, the kind of mantra about Connacht is that they are they play this very expansive game, a very similar style of game, risk taking game that Glasgow have been playing. But when it came down, because of the rain, largely when it came down to a, a grunt fest, uh, I'm not sure that that Glasgow were ready for what Connacht threw at them. Yeah, um, I think it's a fair point. And maybe even maybe even if rugby fans in Ireland mightn't, up until now, maybe we haven't given enough credence to that side of it for Connacht because what we've always, been, we've talked about all seasons, how smart they've been, how they've looked for space when other provinces are just running into people. But you, you, you can't just win by that. I mean, you do need to have a proper defence and, a, and a, lot of, a lot of physical power. Yeah, I mean that they had Connacht had huge, huge power. I mean they won, they won the collisions, um, pretty much hands down. Um, Glasgow picked their biggest back row. Uh, they didn't, they didn't play Favreau, the open side flanker. He's a small, he's a cle- very, very clever breakdown specialist. But they went, they went, they went for maximum uh, power in their back row, and they still, and they still got outdone. I think Townsend, Gregor Townsend, the Glasgow coach, admitted that afterwards that uh, physic- physically. Uh, Connacht came out on top, um, so it was um, it was it was a, a very very impressive performance from Connacht. We know that they can win uh, uh, both ways. Um, you'd hope. I mean, it, it may not have any relevance to to the game to the semi final if it's a dry day, if it's a sunny day. They both might bring out their their more expansive side, but certainly um, in a war of attrition, I would have thought that, that Glasgow have won many wars of attrition um, last season on their way to the title and this season as well. I would have I would have hung my hat on Glasgow winning a battle, uh, but they didn't win it, and I just very very impressed. I'm very impressed watching Connacht all season, but even more so now that when it came down to a real slog, that they won. You uh, made an interesting point in your piece on BBC saying that Glasgow came up short against a mirror image of themselves. Why are the two teams so similar? Do you think? I th- I'm not. I'm not even just the team. I think the team. The team. Yes, there are similarities. They both want to play. Uh, they both have young coaches. They both have ambitious young coaches. They both have a game plan. Really, that's uh, that's risk, high risk stuff. They want to entertain, but it's it's it goes beyond that. I think. I think the Glasgow story um, and the Connacht story uh, chime in the way that they have built their supporter base, the way they have turned their ground into into I wouldn't say intimidating, but very very noisy. Uh, stadiums, very passionate stadiums, um, and the way they have grown the club or the organisation, if you want to use that horrible word, the way they've the way they have grown everything on and off the pitch. Uh, I think what Connacht have done is actually even probably arguably even more impressive because they have done it um, with with players that are not seasoned internationals. I mean, Glasgow have had seasoned international players. That's how they they built the, the, their success on the back of. Of test match players, um, and they built a crowd. And I mean, I've, when I came over first, I went to Scotston, and there was about a thousand people going. It wasn't even Scotston; they played at Partick Thistle's football ground. 
there was a thousand people, there was twelve hundred people going to matches. Nobody really cared if they won or lost. Um, they went to Scotston. It was the same story. Now you go to Scotston, the place. It's uh, it's it's like the Coliseum. It's like they're baying for blood. It's like it's like the old Thoman Park used to be. Um, and and there was an element of that about the sports crowd. Uh, Gregor Townsend, I said, I spoke to him afterwards, and he, and he took great humour uh, in the fact that he was the Glasgow coaches' box is planked right in the middle of the, the clan terrace. And he said, it was incredibly noisy over there. Pat Lamb's coaching team sit on the far side of the stadium. I think that took them by surprise as well, the noise, the noise level. And the one thing that Townsend kept on saying afterwards when I spoke to him, says, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons today. Um, and I think he's hoping that they will stand in good stead. But I think one of the lessons was that this, this, is, a, this is a powerful... Um, thing that's happening in Connacht and they know it's they know it's powerful in Glasgow because they've seen the same thing happen to themselves yeah there's nothing more um, there's nothing that coaches love more than trying to do their work surrounded by noi- noisy away oh, fans yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean it was they love that I'm sure raucous. it was brilliant it was raucous he was he was laughing at it he was said, he it yeah. was great oh yeah oh, okay I mean, he could see it he could see it he, he, he appreciated it and he did say look he said you know I think we all can see similarities uh, in in Connacht that we that, that are there in in Glasgow in the rise of Glasgow and and that crowd was a big factor. That crowd was a very powerful crowd on Saturday. You mentioned the fact that uh, that it's slightly different in the towns and has had these Scottish internationals, these international players to base things around, but and that Connacht haven't had that. It's funny because Pat Lamb did a slightly strange press conference last week. People were comparing it to the Rafa Benitez, famous Rafa Benitez one where uh, he you know, revealed his dossier of facts about Alex Ferguson to the assembled media. <laughs> the point in this case was that Lamb was doing it from a position of strength, but he still felt the need to uh, put a lot of information out there to outline how big an achievement it's been. Maybe he just felt a little bit sensitive that they were getting a bit of criticism for losing the game in Italy the previous week, and he just wanted to be clear that it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult to not have international players in the first place than it is for other provinces to who have international players but lose them for chunks of the season. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I actually had a quick word with Pat Lamb after the match on Saturday, and he said. Uh, he said he kind of continued the theme, and he said, "You know, uh, you know, when when uh, he said we will have picked up injuries, might have picked up injuries in the match. When we pick up injuries, we have to dip into our academy to fill out our squad. He says when Glasgow pick up injuries, they just call up the next international uh, player. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely that thing going on there um, about it's a touch of the siege mentality, isn't it? And I think that's working for him brilliantly." The fact that they are a very united, very tight squad. You could see that when Glasgow, admittedly down to 14 men, when they came on uh, to, try and, to try and get the, the try that would have given them a draw. I mean, Glasgow dug really deep as well into, it, into its kind of, uh, into its mental strength, playing with 14 for half an hour, trying to get that draw. Um, they, were, they were impressive in their own right, but Connacht weren't having it, you know. They were not having it. They were, they were. Their, their front row forwards were dropping like flies. Uh, the crowd was noisy as hell, and I just thought I was hugely impressed with it. And Lamb, whether it's out of a sense of of fact that he doesn't think his team has got enough credit, I doubt it because everyone has been singing their praises. But certainly, he was banging that drum about look at the resources that Glasgow have. We don't have any anything like the same resources. That does foster and does breed. 
um, a real strong collective power, and that's what they have. Tom, we've gone through the whole of professional rugby with underdogs remaining the underdogs, and then we've two seasons in a row, two clubs with no history, no resources, um, you know, no real culture there. I've come out of the blue and have been the two most exciting teams and continue to be this year. Um, do you see this as two random events, you know, um, team in Scotland, team in Ireland, or is there something else there? Because I know Exeter and England have really impressed through good coaching and a good culture, again, coming from nowhere. Is there something happening here across Europe, or are we just looking at two teams that happen to have figured it out at the same time? I, I think we. I think it's the latter, and I'd, and I'd fear... I fear for Glasgow. I know people around Glasgow fear for Glasgow. And similarly, I think people in Connacht will fear for Connacht that the more success that they get and the more um, Bundiakis and, and Robbie Henshaws that emerge and Matt Healy's that emerge, the more that these big money clubs in France and England are going to come in and just swipe them away. Uh, Glasgow are losing um, uh, Leonie Nakarawa to France next season. He's been their, their totem in the middle of the, middle of the second row middle of the pack, uh, offloading game, fantastic attitude, brilliant professional, and he's gone. His, his salary has been quadrupled to go to France. That's the problem. And, you know, if you look at the, the marquee players that Glasgow have, the, the Finn Russells, the Stuart Hoggs, these guys, they will go as well. And Connacht's marquee players, and some of them are already leaving. So I think it's a case of enjoy it while it lasts because the, with the, the financial landscape in rugby at the, at the moment, is that as soon as these guys emerge, they will be swiped by by the big clubs in England and France, and that's a great, great shame. I think I think the Glasgow story is gonna is gonna end in a couple of years because these guys are probably all up out of contract in a couple of years. Um, um, Gregor Townsend has a one year extension. I think he will go. Pat Lamb will probably go. And I'm sounding like the biggest doom monger in the world now, but that is that is unfortunately that is the reality. Tom, uh, we'll leave it on that upbeat note. <laughs> Thanks for me, you know, it's good to talk. <laughs> Thank you. Where are you from, Ibrahim? Yeah, bro, I'm from Kurdistan, you know. Kurdistan, but, and you're waving a Leicester yeah, City flag. Of course, bro, of course, man. Bro, Leicester's in our blood. I grew up here, you get me? School, everything, bro. Leicester is a beautiful city. What does this mean? What does this mean? Bro, this, bro, the whole world knows Leicester now, innit? The whole world knows Leicester. We're the champions and we're coming for Barca. We're coming for Madrid. We're coming for Munich. Come on, man. Leicester are definitely going to choke. Definitely going to careen off the rails. I, I just can't believe that they could win the league. I just can't believe that this squad could actually win the league. There's three teams within striking distance of Leicester. They're all better than Leicester. Call me Downing Thomason. I just don't believe that it's just going to continue in this way. You're not they, giving them a chance, are you? I don't know. I, I can't. Edge of the box, into the box. Right for the shot is in. Chelsea have got it. Eden Hazard has scored the goal here. And Stamford Bridge, that could, it just could, put a full stop to the most incredible sports story you have ever read. They might have done it. Chelsea 2, Tottenham 2. Leicester City are on the verge of sporting immortality. Forget football, rugby, cricket, Olympics, Winter Olympics, golf, whatever your sport of preference. This is unprecedented. This has never happened in world sport. A 5,000 to one shot has never, ever in the history of world sport won a title, a race or an encounter. Leicester City Football Club are on the verge 
of rewriting local, national and international history The full-time whistle has gone at Stamford Bridge. Leicester City are the Premier League champions 2015-2016. Start the party, Leicester, because they have done it. The rest of the world's hearts are full of Leicester City. Our little city. Our part of the East Midlands, pinch yourself, let it seep through your skin, blink, it has happened. Full time, Chelsea 2, Tottenham 2, Leicester City are the Premier League champions. Tom English there, Simon, do you share his concern about players being plucked from, well, I'm sure we're not too worried about Glasgow's long-term future, but... Um, from Connacht obviously Robbie Henshaw is gone but Bundyaki is staying which is big we saw him in the middle of the pitch at the weekend there's a lot of great photos of him leading this dance and all the players he's, he's, he's kind of turned into the leader yeah. or certainly a leader and uh, his name was being chanted by the fans yeah yeah the, yeah so the I mean, was being blown. Like when you're keeping guys like that then you're in with half a shot yeah and I kind of think if you can source those players once can you do it again and if you can build Robbie Henshaw you know from underage up and him become a proper Irish international Ulton Delan being another one that yeah. Jerry's given us his background in the past you Post know. from Kerry yeah yeah, kind of brought, yeah brought through the system that so I, I kind of feel if you have that um, smart culture I mean money obviously the, the bigger teams the rich teams are going to win more often over 10 seasons Connacht aren't, aren't going to win you know four leagues or anything like that but I think you can remain consistent and you can keep your fan base more importantly I think that's the thing that Glasgow and Connacht need to hold on to if you know, they're not winning leagues, but if they're coming fourth or fifth, that they still have that same sort of passion. Anyone else surprised that Pat Lamb felt the need to do a Rafa Benitez press conference and uh, hand out sheets of facts, or at least, uh, least verbalise them? I think you have to hammer it home. When you're coming from as low a base as Connor came from, and when it's a relatively rapid rise, you know, it's really just this season that they're in contention for anything. Um, I think there's no harm. Even if you come across as a little needy, a little boastful, I think it's still worth doing. Yeah, yeah. No harm, no harm doing a bit of boasting. Uh, well, I mean, it's not even. It's. I, I don't even think that he was boasting either. I mean, I think it's just. Let's just all remind ourselves again of how brilliant a job we've all done. Not just me, Pat Lamb, but all of us have done. A oh pretty yeah, I don't think it was. No, I don't here. think it was self-serving. I'm not trying to yeah. imply that it was. No, and I think as well that, you know, as you suggested there, uh, to Tom, they had, having lost to Treviso. Maybe a lot of people did give it a, you know, a lads, it's Tottenham reaction to, to that. Oh, you listen, know? when you've done 15, 20 years of coming close or lots of, you know... False dawns. False dawns. It literally is all people think about you. You know, that's your perception of Connacht. It takes a long time to wipe that away and maybe a little bit of information to back up the results. All right, let's wrap things up. Anyone here want to hear my poem about Tommy Drum? Uh, Captain 1983? Thursday? Maybe Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Or, you know, maybe, right. you know, one poem a month. Right, you know, okay. maybe, maybe, don't maybe don't just one people. Don't want to spoil Ken here. No, I want, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to hear more. Thanks, Ken. Uh, thanks, Simon. Thanks, Simon. Thank you. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, 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 Ken. Thanks, thanks, Ken. Thanks, thanks, thanks for listening. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.